Welcome to the Mike's Road Trip Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schubick, and on this episode, I drive deep into the Delta region of Mississippi to explore the historic and charming town of Vicksburg. The legendary Blues Highway 61 runs right through the heart and soul of Vicksburg, which was the destination for my next road trip to Mississippi. One could argue that Highway 61 rivals that of Route 66, if not for its historical importance, certainly for the musical significance. The last time I was in Mississippi, I road-tripped from Memphis along Highway 61 from the north to places like DeSoto County, which has ties to Elvis and John Grisham. I then made my way to Tunica, which is known as the Gateway to the Blues, with a music and visitor center avowing that reputation. They also have a fantastic river park and museum along the Mississippi that takes visitors on a journey through the area's illustrious past. During that trip, I also made stops in Greenwood and Indianola, which if you're not familiar, was the hometown to the foremost ambassador to the blues, B.B. King. There's a wonderful blues museum that bears his name and takes visitors on both an interactive as well as a historical tour of the blues and B.B.'s life. The museum is on the site of an old cotton gin where B.B. worked as a kid, so there was a lot of sentimental attachment to the location when it was selected. Sadly, we lost the legend last year. His passing was just a week after my road trip through the upper part of the Mississippi Delta. The highlight of that trip was to Clarksdale, ground zero for the blues and the annual Jute Joint Festival. Now, I have to admit, before that trip, I wasn't much of a blues fan. But let me tell you, that all changed as I learned and listened to the diversity of the music, which tore down any impressions I had. Each street corner of Clarksdale had a different band or musician playing, and each of the jute joints were packed to capacity. The energy in town could be felt as the airwaves verberated with a harmonic tunes through the streets and alleyways of Clarksdale. During the festival, I got a flair for the different types and styles of blues music, and some of which really stirred my soul, like this gentleman. On this road trip back to Mississippi, I started my adventure from New Orleans 
and eventually hit Highway 61 from the south, heading north to Vicksburg. I spent five days exploring antebellum architecture, Civil War history, and of course, listening to a lot of blues music. But what I ended up discovering was beyond my expectations, which really doesn't happen all that often. So this is the story of my road trip to Vicksburg. I flew into New Orleans and rented a car and was soon on Interstate 55, heading due north toward Vicksburg. It was a beautiful spring day and the temperature was a lovely 70 degrees. During my road trips, I try to never drive the interstates as there is often little to see and it's impossible to pull over and admire the scenery. So as soon as I could, I veered off onto Highway 98, which cuts west across the Homochetto National Forest near Natchez, where I picked up the Natchez Trace Parkway north. I had been on this parkway before through Tennessee a few years earlier, and I'd consider it on my top 20 list of the most scenic stretches of road in the country. Just north of Port Gibson, the Natchez Trace Parkway intersects Highway 61, which led me straight into Vicksburg. In addition to being called the Blues Highway, or Blues Trail, Highway 61 is also known as the Great River Road, as it follows the mighty Mississippi River. There are, however, areas where the highway is east of the river and can't be seen from the road, but the picturesque view coupled with the speedy efficiency of a four-lane highway creates an almost ideal situation for the romantic road tripper. The rolling hills of the Mississippi River Valley show off their beauty as the road meanders along, showcasing striking bayous and dense woodland. On my previous trip to the Mississippi Delta, I met Bill Surratt, Executive Director of the Vicksburg Convention and Visitors Bureau. Bill and I hit it off at the end of that trip, and he had encouraged me to visit Vicksburg the following year. So here I was, back in Mississippi, about to meet Bill once again at an antebellum mansion uh, or inn for dinner. During my stay in Vicksburg, my home base was the Ameristar Hotel and Casino. And after I got checked in and freshened up, I made my way downtown where I met Bill for dinner at Cafe Achuca. The historic home, circa 1830, was gorgeous and the dining area exuded southern charm with its exposed brick walls, white tablecloths, and freshly cut flowers adorning each table. When Bill arrived, he greeted me with a big bear hug as long-lost friends were reunited. We had a lovely meal and great conversation. And Bill is a wealth of knowledge, not just about Vicksburg, but about Civil War history and a host of other topics. I was a sponge, soaking it up every fascinating story he told. He explained about the various cultures who once descended on Vicksburg, many of whom came from Europe to help with the construction and installation for the National Military Park at the end of the 19th century and with so many craftsmen in the area from different parts of Europe, the community ended up with 
a diversity of architectural styles from Victorian, Romanesque Revival, Greek Revival, to one of the most splendid Beaux-Arts structures in the South. If you're not familiar with the Beaux-Arts style, it's theatrical and heavily ornamented, a classic style taught during the 19th century at the Escole de Burros Arts in Paris, <laughs> the extent of my Parisian accent. Along with the diversity of the community came great wealth. Merchants, many of whom were Jewish, helped fuel this wealth. The proximity to the interstate river system that ran past Vicksburg also created the anticipation of wealth, which spawned development of such opulent homes and structures many of which have been painstakingly restored to the glory of yesteryear and are proudly on display for visitors today. After our lovely dinner at Cafe Anchuca, we made our way to LD's Kitchen for some live and local blues music. LD's is one of those quintessential hole-in-the-wall dive places where the locals love to hang out. This uh, is the place where the real blues can be found. And Bill and I, we grabbed a table right up front, and I immediately felt my foot tapping and my head bobbing to the beat. The band was great. Well, up until the keyboard player decided to sing. He was awful. I leaned over to Bill and said something like, Is it me, or is that guy a horrific singer? Bill replied, uh, No, he's pretty bad. We both chuckled. Shortly thereafter, another singer made his way to the stage, and he was a lot better. The star of the show, however, was the guitarist, an older gentleman who strummed and stroked his guitar with eloquence only calloused fingertips could provide. The next morning I met Bill for breakfast at a new establishment in town called the Mad Baker. As soon as I walked in, I was enthusiastically welcomed by the staff, each warmly greeting me. I thought maybe they knew that I was a travel blogger in town, but come to find out, they greet everyone the same friendly way. I saw Bill in the back of the restaurant sitting with a gentleman named Daryl, who I learned was one of the owners. During our conversation, I had to ask Daryl, where did the name Mad Baker come from? He said it was sort of a running joke with him and his partner, and the name just ended up sticking. The bakery is beautifully bright and warm setting, which is equally matched by the staff and the sweet treats they serve. After a quick breakfast, Bill informed me that he had to meet up with an Italian travel blogger in town on assignment with Brand USA and asked if I'd care to join them. I agreed and we strolled down the block to a coffee shop where we met Simona and uh, her physician husband who was tagging along. Simona writes about the U.S. for Italian travelers. We hit it off immediately, which often happens with fellow travelers. We all enjoy comparing our stories of similar places we visited. This was Simona's last day in town, and she still needed to explore the National Military Park, so Bill offered to be their tour guide. 
This was Simona's last day in town, and she still needed to explore the National Military Park, so Bill offered to be their tour guide. I gladly joined as I knew I would be learning a lot from Bill. Come to find out, Simona was quite well informed about Civil War history as well as the area in general. And once we arrived, we were absolutely in awe of the park, from the sheer size to the large quantity of ornate monuments. That afternoon, Bill and I parted ways with Simona and her husband, and we went to lunch at the Main Street Market Cafe. The 1840s building had brick floors, local artwork, and vintage china lining the shelves. The menu featured some great sandwiches, as well as Creo specials. After lunch, Bill needed to get back to the office, so I was on my own for the rest of my Vicksburg visit. The weather was a bit overcast, so I decided to relegate myself to some indoor exploring. My first stop was to the second floor of that coffee shop where Bill and I had met Simona and her husband, the Attic Gallery. The gallery is owned and curated by Leslie Silver, a longtime resident and gallery owner in Vicksburg, whose eclectic taste has created a vibrant display featuring an array of different types of artists. Leslie was telling me that she likes to represent artists from all walks of life, whose work resonates not only with her, but her customers as well. Continuing my stroll around downtown, I stopped by the Coca-Cola Museum, which is filled with exhibits interpreting the beginnings of Coca-Cola. An entire wall is filled with the different styles of bottles and cans from over the years. Vicksburg was the very first city to have a Coca-Cola bottling plant, thus the tie to the area. The museum is an authentically restored candy store, which showcases one of those old soda fountains, and there's also a lot of Coca-Cola memorabilia around every corner. I then made my way down to the river, which I initially mistook as the Mississippi, but there are actually two other rivers that precede the Mississippi, all visible from the perch of town. The river that runs through the edge of town is known as the Yazoo River. Docked at her shores was a river broke cruise ship, making a stop in Vicksburg. A quintessential Mississippian site, I thought. Along the shore uh, is a flood wall decorated with beautiful murals, illustrating Vicksburg's history. That evening, I made my way to the other side of town, where I had a fantastic meal at Roca, which is located at the Vicksburg Country Club. From my table, I had sweeping views of the golf course, while enjoying their Euro-influenced menu accented in southern flair, as delightful live music emanated from the lounge. Day two just whetted my Vicksburg appetite. The next day, I dug deeper. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid in grade school, the least interesting subject was history. However, as I get older, I am enthralled by history and can't get enough of it. And I have a theory as to why this has changed for me, and maybe for you too. When we're kids, we have no history to draw from. As we age, however, we become a part of history. I have always been fascinated by World War II history and have become quite a student of the era. Knowledge of the Civil War, however, 
has always eluded me. This was all changing with my time in one of the most significant areas of the Civil War. The Battle of Vicksburg, also known as the Vicksburg Siege, changed the course of the war. Vicksburg had been an impenetrable town due to its high position above the Mississippi. General Grant, later President Grant, had failed two previous attempts to win Vicksburg, going so far as to divert the mighty Mississippi in an attempt to get closer to town. However, that quickly proved futile. The general was determined, so a third strategy was hatched and executed. Basically, General Grant and his troops were able to cut off Vicksburg's Confederate supply line, thus starving out the soldiers and citizens. On July 4, 1863, John C. Pemberton had no choice but to surrender to General Grant. There was no significance to the date of the surrender. However, the demoralizing defeat left a stain that would last for generations. The town of Vicksburg would not celebrate the 4th of July for the next 81 years. This was just one of the many fascinating stories I learned while in Vicksburg, some of which were explained and illustrated by George, a.k.a. Bubba, uh, the executive director and museum creator at the Old Courthouse Museum, the keeper of all things historic in Vicksburg. Bubba is a wealth of knowledge, and I just loved listening to his stories. He showed me the very spot where General Grant gave his victory speech, and where soldiers carved their names and unit numbers into the soft stone. I also got a rare opportunity to traverse up to the cupola for a bird's-eye view of the rivers below, where Bubba pointed out Grant's second attempt at penetrating the impenetrable Vicksburg by diverting the Mississippi River. For dinner that evening, I strolled across the street from my hotel room at the Ameristar to the casino on the river. I dined at their Bourbon's Restaurant, which features steak and barbecue in an atmosphere and manner that is distinctly Southern. Apparently, the chef got wind that I was a travel blogger, so he insisted on sending me various uh, items to try, which I happily accepted. As I waited for my first dish to arrive, I took a gander out the window at the most extraordinary sight of the old Vicksburg Bridge and the river below. The restaurant is actually on the water, which really provided a great view for the dining experience. The next morning, I woke to a sensational sunrise. There was not a cloud in the sky, and the climate was perfect for a day of exploring. Sunny and high in the 60s. I was invited to have breakfast at the Duff Green Mansion, one of many antebellum inns in Vicksburg. When I arrived, I ran into three ladies whom I had met the day before while visiting the Bazinski house. We had all really hit it off and... It was lovely to continue our travel conversations where we had left off. One of the ladies in particular had a lot of travel experience, and it seemed as though we had been to many of the same places, and several were actually quite random. You know, travel is such a great connector of people, and I find, due to my extensive travel, that it's fairly easy to strike up a conversation with others who also have the experience. 
After a lovely and formal breakfast, our host Harley took guests on a tour of the mansion as she talked about the history of the home and its previous inhabitants. Built in 1856 by a local cotton broker for his bride, the mansion was built for entertaining in the grand antebellum style. Unfortunately, that lifestyle was short-lived for the Green family when war reached Vicksburg in 1863 and the home was turned into a hospital for both Union and Confederate soldiers. As I discovered on my previous Mississippi road trip, following Blues Trail markers along Highway 61 and throughout the state can lead to some interesting discoveries such as the birthplace of blues legends like B.B. King and Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, and Lizzie Douglas, a.k.a. Memphis Minnie. In Vicksburg, I saw markers for the Red Tops and Highway 61 South. There are actually a number of blues informational markers, um, signs, around town, but only just a few official blues trail markers, I believe. That evening, I made my way to the other side of town and had dinner at a restaurant which is a local institution, Beechwood. Family owned and operated for more than 60 years, Beechwood still packs them in. Beechwood is not a fancy place by any means, but it's pretty fantastic. As soon as I walked in, I saw something a bit out of the ordinary. There was a small area carved out for one cook whose sole job was to man the grill. It was uh, a display of sorts, where patrons could see the action firsthand. The rest of the menu items are cooked and prepared in the main kitchen. The next morning I woke to yet another beautiful day in Vicksburg, and I was a bit melancholy as this was going to be my last full day in town. I was, however, able to get a lot in, though, starting off with breakfast and a self-guided tour of Cedar Grove Mansion and Inn. Now, I'm only guessing, but this might be the largest home in town. I mean, it was ginormous. After breakfast, I began walking around the property and discovered a cannonball stuck in the wall. Apparently, it has been there for more than 150 years since the Battle of Vicksburg. The naval ships were raining fire upon Vicksburg, and one of the cannonballs came roaring through the front door, penetrating one wall and sticking into another, where it has rested all these years. My next stop was back to the National Military Park. When I was there a few days earlier, I was with several other people, and I was really looking forward to exploring it at my own pace. The park is set up to drive through with many pullouts to get out and up close to view the monuments and other displays. The park is incredibly well manicured and quite stunning. The lush green grass, dense trees, and foliage make the park feel like a well-deserved memorial to all of those who fought and died there. There's so much to see in Vicksburg, but if for some reason visitors only have one day, this is certainly the main attraction in town not to miss. There is a staggering 1,350 monuments within the park, 28 of which are bronze reliefs by Tiffany's. I also learned about some of the symbolism in the park with respects to the monuments. 
For example, there are 47 steps at the Illinois Monument, which represents the 47 days of the Vicksburg Siege. After a few hours in the park, I was famished and headed over to Rusty's Riverfront Grill for lunch. Now, Rusty seems a bit newer uh, or a little bit more modern. I had the uh, three-way seafood combo with blackened mahi-mahi, shrimp, and some crab cakes. Everything was so delicious. But after eating so much, I really needed to go for a walk. And again, the weather was so fantastic. And I know I've mentioned this a few times, but I just wasn't expecting it to be this great. I expected it to be a little warmer and a little bit more humid. So I walked up the hill and strolled some of the shops in downtown. A bit later, I went back to my room at the Ameristar so I could freshen up for dinner and an evening of blues music. My second evening in town, I had dinner at Roca and had learned that the chef and co-owner Jay also had a restaurant in downtown called 10 South Rooftop Bar and Grill. My meal at Roca was so good that I knew I couldn't go wrong with anything at Jay's other establishment. 10 South is situated on the rooftop of one of the tallest buildings in town and provides stunning views of the city and the rivers below. The focal point of the space is an elongated bar where patrons cozy up for a cold beer cocktail. The space that surrounds the bar is made up of high and low top tables, which adds an interesting dimensional layer to the dining experience. Since I had a really large lunch at Rusty's, my appetite was comfortably satisfied with just the pulled pork tacos and freshly made guacamole washed down with a cold beer. As I left the bar, I met three cool individuals in the elevator. We ended up chatting outside for a spell, and I learned that one of them owned a hammock company, Sierra Madre. Now, I frequently use hammocks during my road trips and camping and backpacking excursions, so we clearly had a connection on the topic. And I have to say, everywhere I went in Vicksburg, I met the most amazingly friendly people. Each encounter solidified my notion that southern charm and hospitality, it's the real deal in Mississippi. My final adventure for the evening was back at the Ameristar Casino at their Bottleneck Blues Bar. I had listened to some blues performances at a couple of other venues around town that were more hole-in-the-wall or jute-joint in atmosphere. The Bottleneck is much more refined an outstanding venue that can accommodate larger acts and larger crowds. That evening, I got to see the highly acclaimed Vasty Jackson perform. The club was pretty crowded and I wanted to get some photos and video footage of Vasti's performance, so I asked a manager if he could assist me. There was a large reserved table with just a few people occupying, so the manager asked if it would be okay for me to sit there. Come to find out, the table was reserved for the Vicksburg Blues Society, and the president of the organization, Shirley Waring, was in attendance. Shirley was able to grab Vasti's attention and led him to our table where she made the introduction. 
Fasty was not only an amazing performer and musician, but he was such a friendly and hospitable individual. Even though others were vying for his attention, he made me feel like I was the only one in the room. He asked where I was from, and when I said I was from the Phoenix area, he asked if I was familiar with the MIM, or Musical Instrument Museum. Yes, I exclaimed. It's a fantastic venue. He enthusiastically agreed and told me that he had performed there not too long ago. Vasti soon took the stage once again, elevating his performance while taking a guitar solo into the crowd. Vasti was able to strum his guitar in such a way that it was as if he were making it talk. No lyrics required. It was getting late and I had a whole lot of work to do before going to bed, so I left just before the show ended. The next day, as I was back on the road, I received a call. It was from Vasti. I couldn't believe it. Here this big-time blues musician was calling me, personally. He told me what a pleasure it was to meet me and that he wanted to give me a CD that evening, but I had already left. What a class act, I thought. So incredibly thoughtful. I had such a fantastic time in Vicksburg, and while there are many great things to see and do, the highlight for me was meeting the amazing people of Vicksburg. They epitomize the notion of Southern charm through and through. Louisiana may be the birthplace of jazz, but Mississippi Delta is where the blues were born. Music, Comfort food and southern hospitality run deep in the Delta. The legendary Blues Highway, U.S. Route 61, is an unforgettable journey evocative of a delicious slice of Americana represented by a genre of music known as the Delta Blues. Spilling out of car windows and church doors, soul, gospel, and R&B can be heard around every bend in the road. I enjoyed the rural quirkiness, the hard-to-reach wonders, and found it necessary to budget extra time for enjoyable and unscheduled conversations. The Delta's the real deal when it comes to the embodiment of the American road trip experience. Well, that's it from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Go to mikesroadtrip.com forward slash Vicksburg to read my article and to watch the video I produced on this road trip. While you're there, please leave a comment and share your Vicksburg or Mississippi Delta experience. Until next time, we'll see you on the road. Mike's Road Trip.com